Welcome back to the People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today, I have with me Andrew Bartlow, who is the founder of Series B Consulting. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Glad to be with you. So tell us a little bit about your history, about uh, Series B Consulting. Sure. Well, um, I have a, a long human resources career, 25 years straight out of grad school. Um, and I, I've been at this work. Um, worked for companies like General Electric and Pepsi, uh, as well as startups with less than 50 people and really kind of everything in between. And about three or four years ago, I pulled my golden parachute, wrote my bucket list book, um, hung my single shingle uh, as a consultant. And uh, boy, it's been a really, really fun ride as I help companies grow and help other HR leaders be more successful. Yeah, so you really have experience with all different sizes of businesses. Do you have a, a certain size that you really enjoy most? Um, I, I think it's more about stage, um, that, that high growth stage when things are changing rapidly. You know, maybe that's headcount growth is, is resulting in you know, a, a rapid evolution to how work gets done and how you, how you manage your organization. And so that, that rapid change environment is a lot of fun. Okay, awesome. So one thing that you have to be aware of as a consultant is making sure that, you know, everyone's happy or the right people are happy. Um, So, you know, you get you have to be choosy whether or not you're making the stakeholders happy, making the employees happy, uh, making leadership happy. How do you kind of compartmentalize each group um, and and determine, you know, how, what are we going to do for these groups? Yeah, I, I think this is a really important and valuable area to talk about. Um, in human resources, we get stretched between a number of different stakeholder groups. We, we try to serve our employees. We try to serve the broader community and the broader social good. We try to support the executive team and the CEOs or founders that we work with. And it's bottom line, just not possible to serve all of your different stakeholders um, across often conflicting needs, uh, requests, or demands equally. And so I, I think it's really important for a successful HR to have some, some sense of who their stakeholders are, um, on what types of topics do those stakeholders care the most about, and try to get your try to get your head right around who you're really serving. Yeah. So when you go into uh, a consulting situation, how do you really break that down? And, um, you know, because you have to, you, there's a lot of give and take involved in that too. So how do you, you know, prioritize? Sure. Well, it, you know, I think, again, prioritizing is, uh, is a great place to start with that. So what are you working on? Um, what are the goals, initiatives, and um, you know, promises that, that you are making that your organization will fulfill, um, that, your, that your HR function will fulfill? And so you know, that, that's the best way. A, a really simple stakeholder analysis is a, is a really good way to sort out what should we be working on? 
What are the priorities? And especially if you're in a high growth, high change environment, there's just going to be too much to do and not enough time, attention, or resources to be able to deliver on it. So start with a really simple stakeholder analysis. Who, who are my stakeholders? What do they care about? Um, wh where are they at on this on different topics? And then try to get to a very simple list of what are the most important things that my team and I should be working on to support the organization. Mm -hmm. And that can look different to different people. Uh, so in our conversation uh, earlier, you mentioned data is such an important aspect of making those decisions. So could you explain how you use data to make those decisions? Sure. Well, yeah, if you're not sure where to start with what to work on, a, a great place would be an investor presentation or a board deck or talking with your CEO around what are the commitments that have been made for the organization? What, are, what is the short list of most important things? Maybe that is expanding your gross margin. Maybe that is uh, opening new doors with more customers, customer growth. Uh, maybe that is expansion into a new market or geography, uh, open up in Europe. And that will help you prioritize in the HR function. Um, is it revenue dollars that I'm going after? Is it headcount that I'm going after? What is it? Chances are it's not happiness. Chances are engagement is a second or third level metric where your investors, your CEO, and your executive team are really concerned with bottom line and margin and maybe headcount growth. Uh, maybe it's shipping uh, certain product features or serv services on time. So start with what the organization is trying to accomplish and then figure out how HR can most directly contribute to those key organizational priorities. Okay. So yeah, definitely like you have to get to the, if you don't have that funding, if you don't have, you know, <clears throat> that coming in, you can't focus on, like you said, the headcount, you can't focus on, you know, engaging employees. So how do you get that, you know, that secured first? How do you make sure you have that secure funding so you can, um, you know, create a, the culture that you want within an organization? Well, funding, uh, you'll, you'll get support for your projects and initiatives if you're working on the right things. If you're working on things that are directly linked to the organization accomplish without making some you know, giant logic leap. Um, you know, too, too many HR professionals get stuck chasing progressive practices and bright, shiny objects. And, you know, it, it's an unfortunate trap where we'll, we'll use shortcuts like, you know, air quote, it's the right thing to do, so we should do this. Well, well, why is it the right thing to do? Why is it the most important thing to do right now with the limited time and attention that we have? And so you'll get more support for what you're working on if you're able to establish a really clear and direct link to what's most important to the organization. I, I use a really simple sort of org chart or waterfall uh, graphic to help HR leaders ensure that they're working on things that are directly linked to those organizational priorities. And also, I mean, that's something we also talked about is that authenticity. And it seems like it all just comes back to that, that transparency and being authentic with what you really want to offer within the organization. Yeah, I think, um, you know, authenticity as an HR leader, 
is important. Authenticity as an organization around who, who are you as an organization? What is your culture? How are decisions made? You know, people will get very cynical if you, you know, try to give them a bunch of marketing speak. You know, so, so being clear around what you're trying to accomplish and what your priorities are is important, you know, regardless of what role you're in. Mm-hmm. I apologize. I have a very active dog <laughs> joining this podcast with me. Um, if you can see him just uh, trying to find toys behind me. So I apologize if he uh, interrupts anything um, at the moment. So I, I like that you, you bring up, um, you know, that, uh, I think you said mis- mishmash, that marketing mishmash of, um, you know, putting yourself out there, but not, not being authentic. Uh, could you explain a little bit more about that, about this culture that we've got into with, um, you know, organizations and companies, you know, maybe throwing up an Instagram post because everyone else is doing it or they're expected to do it. Um, could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, uh, I'll use a saying from time to time, you know, plain vanilla is tasteless. So if, if you're doing things that everybody else is doing and just considering it, you know, it's, it's background noise. If you're talking about paid vacation and health insurance and, you know, some leave of absence policies, like what's really differentiating about your organization. And that can be powerful for attraction and retention purposes. Yeah. The, the term is a, an EVP, an employment value proposition. So how can you really clearly articulate why would somebody want to come work for your organization and why would somebody stay? Because there's loads of opportunities. Um, and, and if you get trapped in marketing slogans and, and mishmash, it just becomes you know background noise that people don't really value. But if you can be clear and concise and compelling, you'll be much more effective at an organization at attracting and retaining the people that you need to. Yeah. And do you feel that, um, have you noticed that leaders have difficulty answering that question? You know, why would someone want to work for your organization? Yeah, I, I think that Many leaders are still trapped in a paradigm of the 1980s or even 1950s of like, we, we have jobs and we should be able to you know, select from many, uh, from many applicants. Well, the, the power has shifted to the worker versus the employer. And so it's up to the employer to be compelling uh, to attract and retain rather than, um, you know, unless you're a very, very well-known organization with a great brand name and people are you know, falling all over themselves. Like Google, Google gets plenty of uh, active applicants. But if you're most other organizations, you need to source. Um, sourcing is more important than selecting. They're both important. You want to have the right people work for you. Uh, but the power has shifted. And so you'll be more successful as an organization if you're able to tell your story in a compelling way. Mm-hmm. Now, could you define sourcing and selecting and what's, you know, what is unique about each, each one? Oh, sure. Well, um, sourcing is identifying potential candidates. So if you're looking for a software engineer, how do you get in touch with those software engineers? Um, you know, maybe they're on LinkedIn, maybe they're on Hacker News, maybe they're on, you know, other where, where do those candidates live, whether it be geographic, physically or on the internet? 
um, and how do you get their attention? And selection is how do you decide, how do you select from applicants to find the best possible fit? Okay, so we're in definitely more of a sourcing, especially, you know, with remote work, with freelancers, and a lot of people have specialized skills. So there we are absolutely in a sourcing uh, environment. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so what are the challenges? What do people have to, you know, there's absolutely a learning curve going from that selecting to sourcing. Uh, what are those challenges that you're recognizing? Well, part of it, I, th- I think, is uh, being able to tell a, a clear and compelling story. It's not just post and pray. You know, post your job that applicants, you know, come come find you. Uh, it's it's looking for ways to stand out, and and that's where authenticity can be really valuable. And it can be a little risky too if you're being authentic. Around, here's who we are, and here's who we're not. If you're trying to be compelling really compelling to you know a certain group of workers there's some risk that you could not be compelling to others and so that that's a, that's a choice that i encourage more organizations to make is to be clear about who they are and who they're not and and who they're really trying to attract yeah so um you know culture is absolutely so important and a lot of people don't really know what their culture is. Um, you know, they think about ping pong tables or, you know, the unlimited PTO that, that you mentioned in, um, you know, the things that people think are attractive. Uh, so how do you really get down to what your culture is and how do you get people to, um, you know, ha- align themselves with that culture as well? Well, culture is so much more than perks and programs. You know, the perks and programs and policies can reinforce culture, but they don't create it. You know, I, I would argue that culture really starts at the top with decision makers. Who are the decision makers? How are decisions made? Who's hired, fired, promoted, recognized? You, you can't really divorce culture from the decision makers because culture is how an organization operates. And so being really clear about who the decision makers are, and not just aspirationally, how do those decision makers want to operate, but authentically, how do they really operate? And it's it's too easy to just throw away that, you know, we're a learning culture, or we work hard, we play hard, or, you know, if it's just background noise, and if it's just marketing statements, it's not going to be real, and it's not going to be compelling. So be clear about who you are, and then you can align policies, programs, and perks to go support that. But first, do a little bit of introspection around how do you operate, what's important to you, what's not. Mm -hmm. So it always has to be, before anything starts, you have to be aligned and deeply know what your values are, for sure. So how do you go inward um, and kind of get through, you know, what what people expect you to say in those marketing uh, words and phrases and then what you really are? So how do you encourage CEOs and founders to go inward like that? Yeah, there, there's a really nice set of questions and a, and a process that Patrick Lencioni, author of Five Dysfunctions of a Team and many other popular business books, uh, talks about. It's the six questions for clarity. And this, this feels like a quiz now that I'm giving myself, like, what are those six questions? 
but it, it starts with why do we exist? And, and that's not an existential individual question, but why does this organization exist? Is there some true higher purpose behind it? Or is it just to make money? Or is it to you know, solve performance management problems for high growth? What is it? Why do we exist? How will we behave? Um, how will we succeed? Uh, what's most important right now? So you can get into you know, more depth of like who will do what, but um, if you really start again existentially for the organization, what is this org trying to accomplish? Is it, is it just about capitalism and you know trying to earn an extra buck, or is it in a certain domain? Is there a certain problem that you're trying to solve? And what does that mean in terms of how you behave and and how you operate? That's a great place and a pretty simple place to start, where you don't need to spend tens of thousands of dollars on high-priced consultants to figure it out or or company-wide surveys. You know, just start with why do we exist? What are we trying to accomplish? And that can be a really um, a, a really nice jump start. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really gets you thinking too, because how often do you really think about as a company why you exist? I feel like it's something that a lot of founders and CEOs they don't take time to really, you know, come back and and reassess and 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 think ponder on. Yeah, with um, with one of my. One of the companies that I founded, People Leader Accelerator, it's an executive education program for HR professionals. You know, we exist to be useful. You know, People Leader Accelerator exists to be useful to HR professionals to help them succeed. And so if you start at the core of that, you, you're able to make decisions about how your organization operates. Uh, it's not about making the next dollar not necessarily about reaching more people, but it's about being more useful to the people that you do touch. And so we're, we're very niche and very specialized. And that's helped us make some, you know, some key decisions as we've evolved. And so we haven't touched much on, you know, the employee aspect of it. Um, you know, earlier in the episode, we talked about, you know, that balancing act of sometimes things have to slide so what, you know, in managing employees, if there's something that, you know, you can't do for an employee, how do you, um, you know, do that balancing act? Or how do you, you know, make sure that the stakeholders, the, the CEO and founders and the employees are, are balanced? Um, so what, what can you do, you know, for employees to kind of make them understand that there are a lot of pieces moving right now? Yeah, well... It's one of the larger challenges, right? When you have a lot of different stakeholders with often competing interests and conflicting priorities, you know, how, as you said earlier, how do you keep them all happy? And the answer often is that you can't, you don't. And, and so being authentic around what's most important right now and explaining what you're working on and why be really important. And so you'll, you'll get deluged in requests or demands from different groups. And I think that's a key skill of any executive, especially in HR, to be able to explain, you know, here's why we're working on these three things right now. And here's how they will contribute to the success of the organization. Uh, And if you can't explain it, and if it feels like a big logic leap, then you're probably not working on the right things. Yeah. And I feel like employees in general, they value transparency. They don't want to be left alone in the dark. 
And even if it's, I think bad news brought in a transparent way is better than having no idea what's going on. Yeah. Like, Hey, let's, let's get really specific. Let's say that, you know, employee A says, Hey, I want to go to this conference or I want the company to pay for my executive education program. And uh, as the HR leader, you, you know, need to look at that and, you know, think about, is this the best way to spend the company's money? You know, could you use those dollars to touch more people? You know, is, is 20 grand on this executive education program for this one employee, how does that stack up to 20 grand on a, pro- on a uh, learning product that might help 50 managers at your organization be more effective? Uh, so you've got to make some of those, you know, tough choices and tough decisions if time and money matter and they usually do just explaining the why, uh, will, will help you get through some of those tough choices. And I noticed you use data and analytics and, you know, critical thinking to support that example. So that's an, another reason I think transparency and, facts and data go hand, going hand in hand, you really can't argue against that sometimes. Um, and I think that's why employees really appreciate it. They want facts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's easier in a lot of ways to deal with facts than it is assumptions or, or, or feelings. Um, yeah. I, I, I just really reinforce that critical thinking is critical. Critical thinking is critical. And data and analytics, I think, can often be you know scary or imposing to a lot of people. Like, what data and what analytics do I need to show? And and the answer is, it depends. It depends. You know, start with what's most important right now, and then apply critical thinking to all of your activities. It doesn't have to be some complicated mathematical formula with dashboards and you know paying for analytical tools. It's more about Hey, if we're trying to increase headcount by 50%, how are we doing against that? If we're trying to improve productivity or reduce voluntary attrition, how are we tracking on a month-by-month basis? It doesn't need to be complicated. It's really not rocket science. I think we can go really far just applying some basic critical thinking. Absolutely. And I mean, the data that we have, at least within, you know, the business sector, we have so much data to support all different kinds of areas. Um, there's no shortage of data. Yeah. And, and I'd say data is not the same thing as information. Um, you know, so, so data is often mishmash. Information will help you make decisions. So how are you presenting the data that you have? What conclusions are you able to draw? You know, how can you drive to decisions off of the information that you have? And, you know, lots of high growth organizations may have good marketing spend data, like what they're spending on Facebook or LinkedIn advertising, but you have fewer data points with your employees. And so, again, don't overcomplicate it. You know, take a look at some of the basics around what are we working on? How are people entering and exiting the organization? And how productive and effective are they while they're here? And that'll take you, that'll take you pretty far. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that is a great message to end on. Um, Andrew, thank you so much for being a guest. I'd love to offer you an opportunity to promote 
Uh, anything that you're doing, if you there's a way for people to get in touch with you and learn more about uh, what you do, uh, now's your time to plug it. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. So for anyone listening in the, in the audience, please feel free to uh, connect or follow me on LinkedIn. There aren't that many Andrew Bartlows, uh, so find me there. Um, I have a consulting website, seriesbconsulting.com. Uh, if you're an HR professional, that exec ed program I, I mentioned, People Leader Accelerator, learn more about that program. We've got you know, a great website on that. And then uh, wrote a whole book on this topic about you know, high growth management practices. It's called Scaling for Success. Awesome. And we'll have to link that um, in the website as well when the uh, episode goes live. So yeah, thank you so much and really exciting everything that you're working on or had, you know, have done in your career. I'm so thankful for you to be on the show. And again, um, I'm Lindsay, host of People Analytics. If you or anyone you know uh, has some great insights on HR, you can reach uh, me at lindsay at staffpeak.com. Thanks for joining. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.